All right. Um, last time we met, we left Moses. We left Moses, Vivok, and for 40 years, Moses was living in Egypt, learning. And it's, it, it, there's a funny thing about learning in our days. Because if you are, or you've been in my situation before, or maybe you're going through it, or you will be very soon, you discover one thing. That about this time of the year, if you have a senior in high school, there's a lot of planning, a lot of decisions that need to be made. There's a lot of uh, uh, visiting colleges and filling out applications and, and all kinds of good stuff. And if you've been in my place before, you know what it is when the day arrives when you have to go to college. It is an interesting day for some of us, or has been, because that is the day when the car is packed with their stuff, and you're ready to go, or your luggage is made, and, and you have your clothes, and, and, and you're planning for all kinds of weather, depends on where you're going. And, and, and you, when the moment comes to say goodbye to your parents, your parents come to you and, and they tell you, are, are you forgetting anything? Did you think about this? And more admonitions and hugs and, and, and more suggestions and advice and more hugs and more kisses. Until the time to leave arrives. And there goes the car full of stuff and, and, and full of emotions and, and full of hope and dreams because everyone who leaves home to get an education is thinking, I'm going to prepare my future so that I can become the person that I want to be or that God wants me to be. Depends who you are. Nobody leaves home thinking, well, here I go, I'm ready to fail. <laughs> but God, that's a different kind of education. In fact, the university of God, we can call it life. And oftentimes in this education process, we fail. And that was the case that Moses experienced. Forty years he had spent in Egypt, and when he thought that all that he had learned from his mother, his real mother, of him becoming a special man with a plan from God, with a purpose, with a reason for his existence, and his training in the court of Pharaoh, and his education with his mother as a Hebrew man, was preparing him to become the leader of his people. And if you remember well, he made a mistake and he killed Egyptian. It was not a secret. So now we find Moses again. But this time Moses is not in the court of Pharaoh. This time Moses is in his second school. He is in the desert. This was the day. Now if you accompany uh, me to, to the text in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1, if you open your notes, will be right there, the text that we'll meet for today, Exodus 3.1. I'll read today from the English Standard Version. It says, Now Moses. It is amazing when words like this begin a text in the Bible. Now. Now. 
For it to become now, there has there had to be a before. And the before had been 40 years in the desert. 40 years that Moses ceased to be the liberator of, of Israel. 40 years when Moses had to forget everything that he learned before, basically to become the man that God wanted him to be. And now Moses, verse 1, was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. If you notice, this sheep that he was taking care of wasn't even his. All the riches and luxury that once he experienced in Egypt, now they were far gone. We could say that Moses had failed at his first chance of life. And he says, And he led the flock, his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, the wilderness also is called the desert here. And in, in Southern California, when we think of the desert, we think of Palm Springs or maybe Sedona. But this desert is not... A resort place. This is not a desert with, with nice restaurants and, 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 and ice cream places. This desert is barren. There is nothing. It was a place of desolation. It was a place where all dreams went to die. And this is where Moses is. Now in Hebrew, there's an interesting idea here. Because the word for desert is midbar. Can you say midbar? Midbar. And this is quite interesting because it talks about emptiness. But the root of midbar, it's the word davar. Can you say davar? And davar means to speak. I don't know if you see it, but it's in the desert where God speaks. It is in your most desperate moments when God is about to speak to you. It's in your worst failures when God has a message for you. It's when you think your life is the darkest, passing to the roughest moments when God wants to speak to you. God speaks to us in the desert when there's no distractions, when there's nothing around us that can take us away from listening to His voice. So now Moses, is there. And the reason why God takes us to the desert sometimes is because God knows what kind of experience is the one we need. And oftentimes He takes us to that place so that we can experience exactly what we need. In the desert, we need to learn that there's no shortcuts. We have to go through the process. In Moses' case, 40 years. In the desert, God is closer than you think. If not, remember the story of Jesus? Before starting his ministry, where did he go for 40 days? To the desert. So the desert experience, family, is not a punishment, it's a preparation. It's a step that all of us have to go through in our lives. Now, I cannot tell you if yours is going to be 40 days or 40 years. 40 hours, but if we really need, if we really want to experience God's presence in our life and listen to His voice, we need to experience the desert. Moses needed to learn one thing, 
Well, several, but the first one is this. Your present does not dictate your past. I think that was from the one before. Your present does not dictate your past. And, and oftentimes, have you ever felt that, that you fail and, okay, my opportunity is gone? Now that dream is past. But that was exactly what Moses was going through. He thought that his days as liberator were gone, that his days as friends were over, that his chance to live the life that he was supposed to live were over with, were done with. But see, when we fail, when we, when we go through those moments, when those emotions of darkness and abandonment and, and, and solitude and, and all these issues affect our lives and, and, and we can't see beyond, this is the moment when we have to remember that it's in the desert when God is close. Exodus 32 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire on the mist of a bush. Well, here in Southern California, we used to see that. And I'm sure that it's not a, it, it, it's not a rare occurrence in the desert in Palestine either. Similar weather. Dry, desert, wind, any spark can cause a fire. And that was not rare. That was not uncommon. The difference was that it says that you looked and behold the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. In other words, there were no ashes. There were no remains. The bush was still there in the midst of the fire. There's a couple of things that we need to understand about this. We know, we've seen the movie. God has spoke through this bush to Moses. What? The first thing we need to understand is that the bush was not God. The bush was not God. The second thing that we need to understand is that God chose to appear to Moses, calling him, calling his attention to the bush. God used a common experience, a common event, to speak to Moses. A little bit different, but somehow Moses needed to be aware that God wanted to speak to him. So God is speaking through us, through the common things, but we only realize that He's calling us when we are aware of His presence. Crazy thing. Verse 3. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sign. Why the bush is not burned. Now, I don't know if you see it, but Moses here is having an inner dialogue. Huh, that's weird. I'm going to go check it out. That would have been the newer, newer version. I'm going to go check it out. Moses saw it, and he didn't say, oh, that happens all the time. I'm going to just go away in case the, the fire spreads. No, he said, I'm going to get closer. I'm going to go check it out. He looked, and he answered to the call. Now, Moses 
could have remained the same. Moses could have said, okay, that bush is burning. Okay, sheep, move over. Let's not get burned here. We're not eating barbacoa tacos tonight. Let's move away. Let's move away. But had Moses decided not to act and react to the calling of God to the bush, Moses would have remained the same. Moses would have stayed in his desert, maybe not 40 years, maybe 100. Because see, Moses knew that even though he was in the desert and he had been there for 40 years, his future did not depend on where he was. Moses knew that there was something else for him. The worst thing that could happen to a human being is to remain the same. Are you breathing this morning? The worst thing that could, that could happen to a human being is to remain the same, and even worse, to want him to remain the same. We were not made to, to, to remain in one state. Otherwise, we'd all be babies. God made us to grow up, to develop, to grow emotionally, physically, spiritually. You know that text, Luke 2.52? And Jesus, what? Grew. In grace with man, socially, in, in, in physically, in the stature, and with God spiritually. Because God made us to never remain the same. The worst that could happen to us is to say, well, this is me now. This is how it be. I made mistakes. This is what I deserve. Family. Family. Your past. Your past mistakes. Do not dictate your future. Your future is in the hands of God. Amen. Moses did it to learn another important lesson. You are more important to God than your situation. You are more important to God than your situation. Verse 4, Exodus 3. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. I don't know, maybe it was Moses. <laughs> I don't know why we always think that God is base. <laughs> maybe he's our first enter. Moses. Oh, but that would have been impressive, right? That would have been impressive. It had to be like Moses. I don't know if you see it. But God spoke to Moses by his name. The most important thing for God is people. The most important thing for God is you. You are the reason why Jesus came and died on the cross. Amen. Because you are the most important thing for God. People. Because people are the most important thing for God. The only thing, and, and this is interesting, Jesus said this. In this they will know that you are my disciples when you what? Love for each other. When you have the right doctrine. When you know all the prophecies. When you become vegan. That person. <laughs> what is Jesus saying? 
the only way that they would know you are truly my disciples is when you love one another. Because the most important thing for God is people. And he wants his people to love people. So God, in the middle of Moses' desert experience, he calls him not by his mistake, not by his past. Imagine, hey, you a former Egyptian prince. Hey, you the one who killed the Egyptians. No, God did not call him by his past mistakes. He called him by his name. Because the most important thing for God is not your situation, it's, it's not your problems, it's not the moment of darkness. That is temporal. The most important thing for God is you. That's why he called Moses by name. And Moses said, here I am. We are so concerned with our problems, we are so concerned with our situations that we forget that there's something that matters even more than that. Verse 5. Then he said, God speaking, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. Wait, Moses is thinking. I passed with my sheep for the, through this place so many times. I mean, I've been doing it for 40 years. Now this place is holy? God, what do you mean? It is so profound to see that a place is not holy because we say it's holy. A place is holy because someone is having a personal experience with God. Your car can become holy. Your office can become holy. Because any place that anyone have, has an experience with God becomes holy. Moses is about to have a life transforming experience with God. Therefore, that place became holy. In other words, God is telling Moses, Moses, take your sandals off. You're gonna, you and I are going to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation here. And your life will not be the same anymore. And I can tell you, I can, I don't bet, but I can assure you that all of you who've ever gone through a moment like that, you remember the place. You remember the place when you heard God's voice. You remember the place when your life began to change. Because that place now, that is the place when you connected with heaven. Verse 6. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid. Now think about this for a second. Why wouldn't he be afraid? I mean, there's no reason why he would not be afraid if God is saying, okay, I know Moses. I mean, I know Abraham, Moses. Your father, Isaac. Your father, Jacob. Your father. Uh, I can't measure up to that. 
I can't think that I could be equal to them. I could even be mentioning the same sentence with them. I make mistakes. They're the founders of the family. They're the founders of a nation. And he was afraid. And the reason why he was afraid was because he was comparing his situation with somebody else's. And see, that is another obstacle that prevents us from becoming the people that God wants us to become. Because we compare. We compare our families with somebody else's family. We compare our job with somebody else's job. We compare our life with somebody else's life. We compare everything. Because we live in a constant, unofficial competition. I bet you, I don't bet. That a lot of us clean our lawns in the front of the house because our neighbors did it first. I guarantee you that some of us have, bought, have gone and bought a new car because our neighbors got a new car. Our kids are in music lessons because somebody else's kids are in music lessons. We live in a constant competition. And that comparing, the only thing that brings to our life is dissatisfaction and sadness. Because see, we try to live the life that was meant for somebody else. In the good and the bad. Because we compare, we compare. And because we keep on comparing, there's always somebody who's going to be better. Guaranteed. And there's always somebody who's going to be worse. And we're going to say, oh, at least I'm not like you. And that only brings dissatisfaction and sadness. And will not change our situation, our real situation. Because I think that all of us need at one point in our lives, a burning bush experience. We need to have a one-on-one -on -one with God. And to come as we are, without our baggage, Moses had to take off his sandals. I'm coming without a, without a mask, without my luggage, without my, my emotional baggage, without anything. God, I'm here. I accepted who I am right now, the way I am, with Everything that's happened to me, here I am. If you don't have that experience, if you haven't had that experience, you need it. Otherwise, you'll still be afraid to see God, like Moses was. Because when we do that, God understands our past. He's been there. He knows everything about your life. Second, God wants your present to change. God doesn't want you to live like that. Remember, Jesus came and he said, the reason why I came was to give you life and life, how? Abundantly. In abundance. Not just a mediocre kind of life. God wanted you to enjoy life to the max. So God wants your present to change. 
to become the present that he's prepared for you. And he wants to use your present to prepare you for the future. And when we think about these words, that, that, the, that the plans that God has for us go beyond any human understanding or imagining, our future is going to be amazing. But today is the day that you have to prepare for the future. So Moses needed to learn a third lesson. God is aware of your present and has a vision for your future. You might not see it now, but God already knows how your future is going to look like. Verse 7, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. Remember, Moses left Egypt and the people of, uh, uh, of Israel, the Hebrews, they were slaves. His mission was to help them come out of Egypt, become free. That was a promise that the Hebrews had received since Abraham. In fact, to Abraham, God told them, when they leave this land that is not going to be their own, they're going to come out rich, wealthy. And all that Moses was looking at was a, a nation of, of slaves with no 401ks. <laughs> so now, Moses is concerned, and God says, Moses, I got this. I haven't forgotten about them. I haven't forgotten about the situation in Egypt. So God reminds them of their situation and offers hope. Verse 8, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And at that moment, when Moses hears these words, a weight that he had been carrying for 40 years in the desert, that he fell at his one job to deliver the people of Israel, now is lifted off his shoulders. <clears throat> because in God's vision for Israel, the deliverance was not over. It was about to begin. And to bring them up, keep saying in verse 8, out of that land to go to a good and broad land and land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hebrides, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Termites, and all the Salatites. <laughs> God lifts a burden. God lifts a burden that Moses was carrying for 40 years. I don't know how long you've been carrying your burden. I don't know how long it's been since you had actually peace, since you slept eight hours without a pill. Or couldn't do a day without drinking coffee. I don't know when it's been the last time. But I'll tell you what, God sees that in your future. If you allow Him to take control of the things that you cannot control. Verse 9. And now. Remember the nouns? And now. 40 years, Moses. 40 years you've been with this, but let me tell you. And now. Behold. Now, this is a powerful word, <laughs> This is a powerful word because, see, God is sharing, about to share with Moses his vision. Now, Moses, behold. In case you don't have clear what vision is, to have a vision is the ability to see already what is not there yet. And when someone has a vision, they take the steps that will take them to that place. 
that they see. Ellen Keller said, and you know about her, right? She's the first blind, deaf person who graduated from college. She said, the saddest thing is for somebody who has sight to not have vision. So God is telling Moses, now Moses, check this out. Behold, this is the vision that I have. The people of Israel, my people in Egypt, who've been there for 350 years as slaves, now they're about to be free. Do you see that, Moses? Behold, God is sharing his vision with Moses. But I don't know if you see it, but Moses was able to, to see, to receive the vision from God only after. Why am I screaming? <laughs> only after. I guess I'm excited. <laughs> only after he had the burning bush experience. Without that experience, Moses would be unable to see the vision from God. And if today we are in the desert and we haven't seen any light from God, it's because we still need to come to God in a burning bush experience. And now God tells Moses, Moses, this is the plan. Notice what it says. The cry of my people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen their oppression, which the Egyptians oppressed them. God is seeing what happened, and he's preparing a plan for the future. A plan of a land, it says there in the Bible, milk and honey. When I was a little kid and I heard milk and honey, a land with milk and honey, I thought it was very sticky to step on. But he's talking about two things. There's going to be animals and there's going to be Flowers. plants. Plants. Without these, there's no fruits. Are you with me? So it's going to be a plant that is no longer going to be a desert. It's going to be a place where there's going to be water because there's going to be life. There's going to be water because there's going to be fruits. There's going to be everything that in the desert you don't have. So Moses, get ready. Now, in Peru, uh, 40 centuries, they thought that some grooves on the ground where all irrigation channels. Until 1931, Dr. Paul Kosok of Long Island University took a plane and decided to fly over. And he discovered that these things that people thought on the ground were just all irrigation channels were actually drawings. And there's dozens of them, different sizes, different images. There's monkeys and elephants and horses and spiders and all kinds of things. The thing about this is that you don't know what they are until you see them from above. If you're on the ground, you can't tell. 
I tell you, perspective changes. In family, as long as we see life from a human perspective, from human goals, we're going to miss the vision that God is prepared for us. So in order to see what God is prepared for us, has prepared for us as individuals and for us as a church, is what we see it from His perspective, from His vision. And just like with Moses, He's willing to share it with us. He's willing to give us a glimpse of the future. In fact, slowly He's been giving it to us. And we think, oh, we got it because we understand prophecy. But remember, we haven't seen all the light that is to be shed for the Gentiles. So there's more that God wants to reveal at different levels. But we have to be willing to see it with His eyes. And the only way that we can see it is when we come to Him open, without baggage, with our sandals removed. Tell God, here we are. Here we are, ready to have an experience with you. We want to see life from your eyes, through your eyes, through your lens, so that we can be the people you want us to be. And as we think of those words, let's listen to this special song that Marina L is going to, to sing.